morning, Life Church. You may be seated. Welcome to those of you who have joined us here in person and also online. My name is Doug Newby, and I have the pleasure of serving as one of your elders here at Life Church. And today I have the double pleasure of being able to share with you today about Psalm 77. The sermon series that we have is titled Authentic Worship. And today, together, I want us to be open to being honest with God. And you may think I am very honest with God, but today I want to possibly challenge some of you and also rekindle some thoughts and emotions in others of you. I want to start by telling you the story of a boy. Now this boy was not particularly special. He didn't uncover any magical powers or live under the stairs. He was just a boy who was part of a normal family. However, when he was three years old, his father died of cancer. This boy didn't have a memory of his father, not how he looked, how he acted, or even how he loved. The boy heard good things about his father and had been taught about God. He didn't know a lot about God, but he knew the basics. God is love, prayer works, and the normal do's and don'ts of what people consider a a good Christian would do. He began to pray every night that God would allow him to have a dream of his dad, to be able to see, observe, and possibly even speak to his father. He wasn't really asking for it to be the actual spirit of his father, just for God to do an amazing work in a dream that he would take those dreams and in some way make an accurate representation of who his father was. Night after night, this boy prayed that prayer before he went to bed, and every morning he woke up disappointed when the dream didn't come true. Eventually, the boy stopped praying that prayer, and to this day, he's never had a dream encounter with his father. That boy's name is Doug. That was me. Psalm 77 is a lament psalm, and if you're unfamiliar with lament psalms, they were written out of painful experiences. They're about crying out to God when things are bad. The good news is God hears us. But we still have situations that go horribly wrong. Things go bad, and all seems hopeless. Out of, a hundred, out of the 150 psalms that we have, 42 of them are lament psalms. Psalm 77 is attributed to Asaph, who was one of David's three musicians, and Asaph is credited with an additional 11 psalms. One of the things I personally love about the psalms is that they invite you into a first-person experience with Scripture. That's in contrast to most of the rest of the Bible that offers a a third-person point of view historical setting. So what that means is that instead of using the language of she, he, they, and them, the wording I, me, our, and we are used. This easily allows them to become songs or prayers that feel personally connected to not only us, but to our situations. You can literally not change a single word of them and speak them out as if they're coming straight from you because of the way that they're written. They were written that way so that we could emotionally connect with the things that have happened and situations that we're going through. Lament Psalms are designed to engage you at your lowest point. What I want to do right now is I want to share an example from a group called Loud Harp and how they turn today's psalm into a song that cries out to God in a difficult situation. A voice rose up to you, God, while 
I cried out loud My voice rose up to you, God You heard me, oh you heard me My voice rose up to you, God I cried out loud My voice rose up to you, God You heard me, you heard me Well, in my day of trouble I couldn't see Well, in my day of trouble I couldn't speak time for some tough questions. As I prepared for this message, every time I spent time in prayer with it, the heart of the Lord for those who are broken was very real and very heavy. I'm going to ask all of us these questions, and in thinking about different situations in your personal life, I want you to honestly answer them to yourself. I'm going to give my answer out loud. They're also in your bulletin. 
Have you ever questioned God? Well, I have. I actually do it all the time. Do you or have you ever doubted God? I have on multiple occasions throughout my life. Have you ever questioned God's love for you 100% as you are? I really struggle with this on a regular basis. <laughs> has, someone words, has someone's words used to comfort you in a dark time not bring any comfort at all, even if those words of comfort are extremely spiritual and even theologically sound? That's happened to me, and usually it's in the times where I need comfort the most. So if you're like me, if you answer those questions similarly, then I've got good news for you. If you answered them the other way, then things are wonderful for you and you have not experienced any grief in your life. That's amazing. But I want to show you that the Bible encourages those thoughts, those questions, and even those doubts as we look at Psalm 77. So Psalm 77 begins, I cry aloud, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. I sought the Lord in my day of trouble. My hands were continually lifted up all night long. I refused to be comforted. I think of God, I groan, I meditate, my spirit becomes weak. Do you see the disparaging between those two things? One does not seem to add up to the other. Can you relate to the anguish that this text is expressing? Have you had a situation where you, where you try to do the right thing, like seeking God, praying, getting alone and hoping for a peaceful feeling? but the opposite occurs. When this happens, we can be tempted to shy away from those feelings because we think it creates space between us and God, or we think it makes us a bad Christian. We can even be afraid that if we allow ourselves to feel those things, it can lead to a turning away from God. How long have we passively answered doing good when someone asks us how we are? And sometimes we even deceive ourselves to think we feel that way. Part of this is because we've been told or encouraged to believe that as long as we follow Christ, everything is going to be okay. Well, it's not. We're not promised an easy life. 2 Corinthians 4.4 states that Satan is the god of this world. And while we are children of the Most High, we still live in this fallen world. As we've seen multiple times, in this year alone, bad stuff happens all the time to all kinds of people. And Ecclesiastes 8.14 observes, there is a futility that is done on this earth. There are righteous people who get what the actions of the wicked deserve, and there are wicked people who get the actions of what the righteous deserve. 1 Peter 4.12 even warns us, dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you, as if something unusual were happening to you. This means this is going to be a common practice, not even something that maybe happens once or twice, but something that could continually happen. Many of us hide our emotions when things are bad because we think it's a reflection of God's attitude towards us or our behavior. That's a lie. Romans 5, 5, 8 definitively refutes this thought by declaring, 
But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yes, we need to remember that God's blessing and favor are on his children, as 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, and God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. But we can't forget that Jesus tells us in John 16.33 that we will, you will, have trials in this life. Today, I want to open this door of permission that you can be honest. And it allows an opportunity for you to express how you feel. I believe the Psalms show us that emotions and feelings don't show a lack of faith, but reveal an honest heart. Let's continue. The Psalm in e and the ESV version states it this way. Verse four, you hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Carrie, my wife, and I welcomed our sixth child, Emery, into the world in August of last year. From start to finish and even after, it's been a bumpy ride. You can ask us. We've got plenty of stories to share. But at one point during the pregnancy, we had believed that we lost Emery. And after a very long, grief-filled week, we came to find out that it was just a large blood clot. Some of you have lost children, and I don't seem to understand what you have and what you're still going through, but I know the grief that I felt. And the questions I had during that time, and these verses speak in that same pain-filled language. As we experience grief, the simplest tasks, such as getting out of bed, going to work, and eating can become too much to deal with. As we sit in our grief, we can try to wish away the situation and think about how good it was before all this had happened. In some translations, verse 5 says, I think about the good old days. Just like you and I, Asaph starts to ask questions about the character of God based on his current situation. The five questions that are listed in this psalm start in verse 7 and are pretty heavy. Will the Lord reject forever and never again show favor? Has his faithful love ceased forever? Is his promise at an end for all generations? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? We can look at these verses and think he's speaking in a way that is contrary to what he believes. Like he's asking questions, well, God surely isn't these things, but I don't believe that's what this psalm is saying. I believe he's actually asking these difficult questions. And it attacks very real pieces of God's character. When we go through these difficult times, it leads us to question or doubt God with these types of questions. We have experienced his favor, his faithfulness, his promises, his grace, and his love, which all these questions attack. But those have been in the past, and we wonder if something has changed. We wonder if our situation is revealing something we didn't know about God before, and maybe we were wrong, and this is truly what it is. 
This is the area that we can shy away from exploring if we're not careful. These are the areas I want you to explore today. We think we just need to adjust our attitude or turn on worship music or listen to another podcast or serve someone less fortunate or even talk to a friend. And these are not bad things. I annoy want to say, don't do these things. But in these situations, what I want to encourage you to do is to tell God how you feel. Physically speak to God how you feel. The verses of this psalm express that we very often cry out to God for comfort, but we don't always take the next step and express our fears, our questions, our doubts, or even anger towards God that he allowed them to happen. Verse 10 says, So I say, I am grieved that the right hand of the Most High has changed. The right hand is always the favor of God. And if you're not in the right hand, that blessing and favor is gone. In addition to working for Bank of the West, well, if you didn't know, I work for Bank of the West, but in addition to that, I also coach CrossFit and I am a personal trainer. One one afternoon while I was working at the gym, I decided I wanted to get a snack from Aldi. I didn't have anything there, and I was like, hey, you know, they have good snacks. Let's go there. I was driving Carrie's car that day because we had just picked it up from the shop that very morning. This van fit us so very well. My wife likes vehicles, and she liked this vehicle. It got a lot of compliments. We enjoyed the features. It had a DVD player for the kids because you might be perfect parents and don't play videos for your kids in the car, but we do, and it is a lifesaver at times. We didn't get it brand new, but we only got it a few years old, and we had planned to drive that van into the ground. It needed some regular 100,000-mile maintenance because it had just recently reached that, and we wanted to make sure it was going to go for 100,000 more. So after about $1,000, that van was purring like a kitten. I mean, I remember driving it that day, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is driving like brand new. This, I could tell the difference. Sometimes you take it into the mechanic, and you get it back, and you're like, well, I spent some money, but I could tell the difference. To make it even better, we had just made a large principal payment so that the van was ours early. We didn't even wait till the end of the note. We didn't pay it in cash right up front, but we paid it off and we owned it. So I left Aldi with my snack and I headed back to the gym. If you know where Aldi is on Tower Road, I was going past Tower Road and I was, I was coming up to the intersection of Lincoln and instead of turning left on Lincoln, I decided to go straight across Tower Road. So I was behind a car that was in front of me and we waited for our red light to turn green. Once that happened, the car in front of me went through the intersection, and I followed along right after. As I was entering the intersection, in my peripheral, I saw the hood of a car coming down Lincoln right before the driver T-boned my driver's side, going full speed and totaling our van. I've got some pictures to show you. Thankfully, I was not hurt, not hurt at all. I was even the seat I was in that was bolted down. The bolt had come off and slid my seat over, which was a gracious move by the Lord because the way the door came in, if my seat would not have moved over, I, would, I don't know how I wouldn't have been impaled by that door. But the van was totaled. 
And the financial aftermath carries on to this day. Because I don't know if you've tried to buy a used car in the current climate. This happened last year. But a good, cheap, reliable car, especially for a large family, is not easy to find. And the insurance check that we got didn't even come close to getting us an adequate replacement. Why, God? Well, first of all, why did I have to get a snack? I didn't really need to eat any food. Because you start to blame yourself, right? Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Or why didn't I just turn left? Just trying to save maybe a couple minutes of going straight through. If I would have turned left, I would have already been through the intersection. Before that car came speeding through, would have been none the wiser. Why didn't God stop this? Doesn't he want me to be debt-free? Doesn't he want Carrie to be happy with the van that she had? Are we, are we not allowed to have nice stuff, God? Now we have to go try to find something else, which after that we bought a van that while we, it was enough money that we got from the insurance check, after about 30 days of having it, it had no heat and no air, and that wouldn't work for our family. So we ended up having to lose money on that van to get the current car we have now. Why? We can ask these questions, and we're encouraged to ask these questions. We need to let these questions asked to be asked instead of just sitting on them. One of my favorite verses is Philippians 4, 6 through 7, that says, Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think these two verses capture the essence of this psalm and that honesty brings clarity. I believe it shows a release and protection from staying in that dark place that situations and grief bring us to. Because while it's okay to experience the grief and express that grief, we have to figure out a way to move past that grief. We can't stay there. I believe that these verses are showing that we need to be honest with God about where we currently are today. Notice I didn't say that it provides an answer. We don't always get an answer to our situations. We don't always have a why. We don't always get to know the other side. Nowhere in this psalm is a resolution given for the problem that it brings up. It's true we don't know the actual situation and problem that the psalm is talking about. We can make speculations based on where it's at, but we don't know the problem and we don't know the resolution. So at the end, it wasn't, and everything's good again. We have to be careful not to use Bible verses like a magic spell. I can think, I just got into a car wreck. Now my family doesn't have that second car. And all of a sudden, we're oh, Romans. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purposes. That is true. But when we offer this type of help to people, it doesn't always provide comfort. Sometimes we just need to listen instead of throwing out Bible verses. Again, it's truth. But people need to be met where they're at. And you need to understand that comfort isn't always in a smile. 
Comfort comes in tears. Comfort comes in coming alongside. I believe that Psalm 77 is showing us that when we're honest and we tell God how we feel about what has happened, it provides God the opportunity to send that peace that passes all understanding, that peace that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Right after Asaph says, I am grieved, in verse 10, a shift in mindset begins to occur with those verses. Sometimes it's simply the act of hearing yourself say something out loud for the first time that you begin to remember who God is and reject the idea that he's changed. Verse 11 continues, I will remember the Lord's works. Yes, I will remember your ancient wonders. I will reflect on all you have done and meditate on your actions. God, your way is holy. What God is great like God? You are the God who works wonders. You revealed your strength among the peoples. With power, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. God has not changed. God doesn't cause evil things to happen. God has blessed you. He's blessed me. And he's never failed us. But telling God how you feel allows a mental enema to occur so that you can flush out the hurt, the anger, and the bitterness that's blocked you up. It's often at this time God reminds you of his faithfulness based on a past experience. The psalm recalls that with the parting of the Red Sea in in verse 16 saying, the water saw you, God. The water saw you. It trembled. Even the depths shook. The clouds poured out water. The storm clouds thundered. Your arrows flashed back and forth. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Lightning lit up the world. The earth shook and quaked. Your way went through the sea and your path through the vast water, but your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. The parting of the Red Sea is a major miracle in the Old Testament. But the Israelites did not know that when it happened. They didn't know how God was going to redeem the situation because they had their backs up against the wall and they had nowhere to go but a sea in front of them and uh, Pharaoh and his army behind them. However, after that experience, the situation that originally brought anxiety and fear was a reminder of God's faithfulness. God doesn't always answer the way we want him to. I began this sermon with a story about when I was a boy. I have expressed my hurt and my anger to God many times about not having a father. However, God reminded me years ago that as I was growing up, I had people tell me that the way I looked, the way I walked, the way I talked, even my passion for ministry was just like my dad. God has allowed me more than a dream encounter with my father. He made me just like him. It's very important that we recognize what God has done in the past so that we remember it for the uncertain times in the future. The Bible has many references to physical reminders of what God has done so that we will remember who God really is. These include Genesis 28, 10 through 12, Joshua 4, 1 through 8, and 1 Samuel 7, 7 through 12. And Joshua 4, 21 and 22 helps us understand why the Bible includes these memorial stones. It says, And he said to the Israelites, In the future, when your children ask their fathers, What is the meaning of these stones? 
You should tell your children, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. We need these physical reminders of who God is and what he's done so that we can remember when things go bad. Carrie and I have done that with each of our children's names. Each of their names tells a different story about God, what, what God was doing in our life at that time so that we can remember that God is in everything we do and has been there our whole life whenever we say their name. Emery's name reminds us that God is powerful and speaks to the bravery that we believe God is calling her to. I would encourage you to create some memorial stone stories in your life so you can look back and see those. I mentioned earlier that we are not promised a resolution to our situation, and we shouldn't rely on one to change our mindset. In preparation for this sermon, I was talking with Carrie, and she ran across this statement in one of her devotional times. It said, recognizing our helplessness is the first step to true hopefulness. Don't hold back your hurt, your fear, your disappointment, even your anger from God. Tell him. Yell and scream at him. The Bible gives you permission to do so. Just as Dave said last week, even though God already knows what happened, he wants to hear it from you. He wants to know how you're feeling. He wants to know. Talk to him. Tell him. Get loud with him. Then in that release, in that release, you are in a better position to hear the Holy Spirit remind you of these verses. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, there is a lot of hurt. Lord, my prayer is that you will be working on each one of us to hear what you're saying to us in these situations. That we wouldn't shy away from telling you how we feel about them because there's a lot of bad stuff. Lord, help us to be honest. Lord, my prayer for everyone in this audience, including myself, is to continually go to you and say how we're feeling, honestly. Not sugarcoating it, not mentally trying to think through, wait, I know this isn't it. Just to allow the emotion in that moment to be spoken. Lord, work in those releases. Comfort us as your word says that you will. Honesty with you brings peace. It brings truth that you are good, you are faithful, that you love us. Lord, we're grateful for that. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.